0: When we were kids, we all did one-person shows. We had no fears, and then something happens along the way as we grew up where we're like, oh, we can't do that. Hey, I'm Julia Jeffers, and you are entering A World Gone Good. Well, hello, and welcome
1: to World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light or find the light to prove this world of ours isn't so bad after all, our one-year anniversary is fast approaching. Can you believe it? It's been one year. One year! Celebrate with us by helping us spread the good, share, subscribe, rate, and review our show. And if you're on Instagram, follow us at World Gone Good Podcast. And on Twitter, we are World. Gone Good One. That's at World Gone Good and the number one. We follow everyone back and together we can make the world gooder. So, some of you may already know this because it's come up with previous guests like Debbie Praver and Mary Weiss. Back in 2001, I created, with the help of some very talented friends of mine, a show called 15 Minutes of Femme. Here's how it worked. It was a stage show where 32 women were cast. We did eight shows over eight nights. Four women performed each night their 15-minute show. And yes, there was a true time limit, and we got you cut off if you went over it. At the end of the night, the audience voted, and one woman from every show, eight of them, moved on to the big finale where my friend Melissa Peterman played host and these eight wonderful women performed these 10-minute versions, shorter versions of their 15-minute shows, a lot, of, a lot of numbers, a lot of math going on, <laughs> for an audience filled with casting directors, producers, directors, industry folks, and of course their friends. I always make sure to have your friends there because you want to make sure that you get you know, good big laughs. At the end of that night, the final winner was chosen. Oh, and um, FYI, this was before American Idol uh, ever happened, so you can thank me for that. That's a big ha-ha. The final winner went on to meetings with uh, casting people, producers, directors, all sorts of industry folk that I set them up with. And um, it was a really, really incredible time. We did this show, this festival of creativity, we did it six times with all women, and one time we did a guy version that I named 15 minutes of him, gotta include the boys, right? I met so many incredibly talented, smart, funny, brilliant women along the way who all had something to say and just needed somebody to give them the outlet to say it, and that's what we did. Many of these wonderful people have remained good friends in my life. Juliet Jeffers is one of those wonderful people. She is the definition of a working actor. She has been on everything from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to Martin to ER to Grey's Anatomy. She has taken her passion for writing and performing next level with multiple one-woman shows. Wait, wait, we're supposed to say something. I think I'm screwing this up. One-person shows? Is that what I'm supposed to say? Okay, one-person shows of her own. And for Juliet, it's about the play, the fun of it. This is her good story. It seems that if I had a crystal ball or maybe a time machine better, yeah, time machine, Mm -hmm. I could go back and be like, all right, all you women of 15 minutes of femme in 18 years from now, you're 19 years from now, (laughs) you're going to have to do a podcast with me. And you'd all be like, what's a podcast? I'll be like, I'll tell you
0: in two decades. Yes.
1: It's crazy. You're one of my 15 minutes of femme ladies.
0: I am. It's so crazy that all this time has gone by and that, we're still in touch, you know, because here in Hollywood, sometimes relationships don't last so long. (laughs) Right. How did we meet? So, well, I, I didn't remember how I heard about the 15 minutes of femme audition, but I heard about it and I came in, it was this little studio right on, I want to say like off of La Brea and Franklin, like Perfect. right. That was it. Right. And this little room and I auditioned and I did a little bit of my Tio Pablo. I did a little bit of my, um, West Indian grandmother. And that was like the, the beginnings of my first one woman show. And you guys loved it. Thank God. And I got in. And when I tell you that experience, first of all, I'm, I'm like so grateful for you and, just the fact that you provided that opportunity for so many female performers to um, to have a platform to do our thing. And for me personally, it was the beginning of, you know, because now I have five one woman shows and Batman and Robin was the first, and I only had 15 minutes of it. You know what I mean? And so since then, I of course developed it into a full length show and Oh my goodness, so much has happened since then. So I I thank you. You're definitely one of the, the, the people that were there for me in the beginning of this whole journey.
1: Oh my God, I thank you. And I thank all of the 200 plus other women who just, I mean, more than that, who came and auditioned. So Batman and Robin in the Boogie Down. Did I remember that right?
0: Yeah, you got it. Where's the title come from? So my brother and I, when we were kids, of course, we watched Batman and Robin on TV. And then we decided to play Batman and Robin. That was one of the many games that we played. And, you know, this is back then where we made up games. There's no, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, just like you get creative and you just make up a game. And so we, he was Batman and I was Robin. And, um, and so my brother unfortunately passed away back in 96 and as I was thinking about what my first one woman show was going to be about, it was sort of obvious that, yeah, I want to pay tribute to him. And um, and so that's where the title came from. So that was like our game. That was our thing. Who was Batman and who was Robin? He was Batman. Um, <laughs> you know, he was my older brother and... I, uh, and, and even though i I wanted to be Batman, but he won. So he got Batman and I got this, I got the sidekick.
1: Now I remember playing super friends when we were little mm-hmm. and we came up with so many variations. We were like, the, we came up with this whole thing and they weren't, e- he wasn't even in the super friends, but it was, we were obsessed with Spider-Man. So we added him mm-hmm. and me and my friend, Billy would argue about who got to be Spider-Man. So we became, we created the spider brothers. Uh-huh. And we were like the spider bros. That's what we called ourselves. And this, I'm pretty impressed that we came up with that name in yeah. like 1976. uh uh-huh. But when we were running around and playing Super Friends, to this day, I can see it. Like I got, I saw the situations. I saw the storylines. I saw the ice castles and the mountains and the lava.
0: Did you, is that how your imagination worked when you were a kid? Well, you know, here's the thing. When I work with my, I, I, I teach people how to create their own solo shows and I direct solo shows. And so when I work with my clients, I say to them, listen, when we were kids, we all did one person shows. You know what I mean? Like we right. had the crazy imagination. We had no fears. It was just, you know, you just you just become these characters and you are really committed to the characters. Your imagination is wild. And um, and then something happens along the way as we grew up where we're like, oh, we can't do that. Oh, no, I'm shy. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, da, da, what are people going to think? No, it's like, let's tap into who we were as kids and, and play, because that's really what it is. Like when I perform, I get to play on stage. I'm playing all these characters and I'm really living in this in this imaginary world. So what was...
1: Or what is Batman and Robin and the Boogie Down? What is the the two log line you know
0: sentences? What is it about? So it is about a brother and sister growing up in the Bronx, and it deals with love and loss and and um, and betrayal. There are a lot of themes that come up. I mean, naturally, living in the Bronx, it it can be very colorful, uh, to say the least. And <laughs> I also have. Um, my family's Caribbean, and so I portray a lot of the members in my family that that really stand out, like my 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 grandmother, my uncle, and uh, a whole bunch of other characters. My brother, as I mentioned, unfortunately passed away, and so I portray all of these characters that we grew up with from childhood all the way up until he passed away. And then he comes back and he does the same thing. Like his spirit comes back and he sort of shares these stories. And so it's for me, um, after he died, I, you know, I just, I was, I was mad at him for leaving. I didn't understand. He, you know, he was only 33 when he died. And so his spirit comes back and answers some questions for me and, and, and helps me sort of, have some kind of um, resolution in it all. So so that's that was more than a, a tag, a logline. No, that's great. Now, now, here's a
1: question. Has your family seen the show and what do they think of it?
0: Yes, they have seen the show. The show has been through so many changes and I've performed so many times throughout the years. I did a whole run in New York off Broadway and was nominated for a Drama Desk Award. And my family got to come and see it and and they loved it. They, you know, I have a sister-in-law that I portray. Who, it, I mean, we lovingly call her the Black Fran Drescher. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 it's but it's crazy because people hear a voice, and that's the first thing that they think, you know, right. And so, I remember, I, I was a little bit hesitant. I was like, oh god, she's coming to come to the show. I was like, I just want to let you know that I portray you in the show. And, and she just laughed. She just had a great sense of humor about it. And, and, and her brother came up to me afterwards and he was like, you got her, you got it down. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So yeah, my family totally loved it. They totally supported it. What do you think your brother would think of the show? I think he would be, well, he is, he's very proud of me. and. And really happy because he he was someone when when he was alive he was my biggest fan. Every time that I would come on TV, he would tell all his friends. And then you know he's on the East Coast, so he would see the episode if it was an episode of uh, a a TV show. He would see it first before I did. You know, right, right. (laughs) So you know he would always call and be like, "Oh man, it was great." I mean, I remember I had a role on this. TV show. It was the Robert Townsend show. I think it only lasted for the season, maybe not even a full season on Fox. And it was a, um, like an SNL type show. Yeah, it was a sketch show. I remember it. You remember it? Okay. And so I was on it, and it was this little, the sketch, but it was a music video kind of thing where I didn't have any lines. There was this guy singing to me, and all I did was like, you know, sort of react to him. And I got emotional at one point and I'm in this like tiny, tight ass dress (laughs) and, you know, just looking really beautiful and whatever, but I had no lines. And I remember my brother calls me up and he's like, oh my God, that was so good. And meanwhile, I had episodes of shows that I did where I was guest starring and I, you know, I had all these lines, but he was like, yo, They got really some really great close-ups on you and you just look beautiful. And then, oh man, that was so good. And it's like, wow. So that's just an example of how supportive he was. That no matter what I did, he was just, you know, like no job was better than the other. It was like he was just equally as excited about it.
1: Yeah, this is my siblings. Anytime they see any of my work, this is what they'll say. Yeah, we get this at home for free.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> now, yeah. during
1: the pandemic, mm-hmm. you, like many people, um, I'm imagining, like many of my actor friends, like many of my writer friends, like many of my entertainment friends, mm-hmm. sort of probably had to be like, well, now what? And when will life ever allow me back in front of an audience? But you did something really Interesting, which is you took your one-person show background and produced, created a festival
0: of sorts? So the White Fire Theater in, in Sherman Oaks, Brian Rasmussen, he came to me and asked me if I would be interested in curating a solo show festival called Black Voices. And yes, this was during the pandemic and all the craziness that was happening last so year. So let me, let me stop you because I have a question.
1: Mm-hmm. When he
0: asked you that, were you like, yeah,
1: that's not going to work because we can't be live? Or were you like, yeah, I'm up for this. What's the next ele- evolution of ev- elevation? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I No, I was totally game because I had just performed one of my shows at this theater and it was virtual. So I saw how it could work. You know, they they, they live streamed and it was very successful and they have great, um, you know, the quality over there is really good because they had been live streaming before that, before the pandemic. And so they already had that whole world down packed. So, yeah, so it was an easy shift to do that. And I think that by the time, because let's say, you know, everything locked down in, in March And so this festival was in September. And so by September, so many artists were like craving some kind of, you know, creative outlet, right? And and we set it up where it was pretty safe. There were only three to four people in the whole building at a time and everyone wore their masks. Of course, when the performer was on stage, they didn't wear their mask, but it was a safe environment. Nobody ever felt uncomfortable and thank God no one ever got sick from it or, you know, it was, it was very safe and it was amazing. I mean, it was just, I mean, we had about 30 performers that, that participated and the great thing about virtual and doing it live stream was that anybody in the world could see it. So it really just opened up so many more possibilities for a lot of performers.
1: So you became me because you had about 30 performers that you had to deal with. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> how did you choose who got a space? First of all, there were a lot of actors that I already knew. And so I just asked them, would they be interested? I knew their work. And so there was that. And then others that I didn't know, they had to submit. So they submitted and I looked at their work and then decided who we wanted to be a part of the festival.
1: What surprises came your way that you were thinking you were prepared for when taking on this kind of thing? Because this didn't all happen in one day. This happened over several weeks.
0: Yeah, you mean the festival? Yeah, the festival itself. Well, yeah, the festival lasted. It was a two-month run. Yeah. And so one of the things that I didn't expect... Because, you know, it's first time that I'm doing something like this. So I wanted it to be successful. And I really took on a lot. I mean, for me, I was like, okay, well, if I can't buy the, find the performers, let me see who I know that wants to do a show. And I'll direct them, you know. Oh, so God. I directed. I mean, I didn't even know who, <laughs> who I directed. I was like, you want to do a show? Great. Let's, let's do it, you know. And so I I did a lot. I mean, I was curating. I performed I directed um and so it was just so I think you know so this year we're doing it again and so I'm not directing as many pieces good I'm being really selective <laughs> good <laughs> I'm breathing through this <laughs> right you know and so um so yeah you know I mean, with anything you learn as you go right well I know too
1: from having made the mistake of not mistake Having learned through the journey of, you know, I'm going to write it and I'm going to produce it and I'm going to direct it and I'm going to put myself in it. Mm-hmm. It's, there's only so many hats you can wear. And I have always found, because I'm not at heart an actor, I'm a comedian at times and more of a writer and a director, but mm-hmm. I know myself that there's limitations. Yes. And it's okay to have a limitation. It's also okay to say no. Mm.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's something that that I've learned over the years. But you know, there was a time where I was just like, I don't want to miss any opportunity, right? Want to do anything,
1: right? You you want to, right? You want to? It's it's that classic thing of of back in the day when we were doing fifteen minutes of FM. When I looked down at special skills. If it said, you know, fluent in Spanish, fluent in French, juggles, I can juggle, you know. Uh We had, Danny and I had bean bean bags. And we said, it says you can juggle. And we'd throw bean bags at people. And the girls would start juggling. Like, immediately. And I was like, oh, you weren't screwing. Or I said, you're fluent in French. And they would start doing the French. But other people would be like, "Ah, I just put that down. I know a few words. (laughs)
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So our world is um, shifting, as we both know. Mm -hmm. Especially in the last year, Um, I mean, many years, but I think that because of the immediacy of the internet, of the fact that we can know about something right away and form an opinion, or told twenty opinions before we've even been a chance, gotten a chance to form our own opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, Black lives matter.s um, Who we are as a country, race wise, do you feel that black voices? Are now, I don't want to say it's becoming easier because I don't think the word easy has ever worked for anybody in any community of color. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's more opportunity? Do you think there's more chances? Do you think doors are more open now to possibilities?
0: I do. And I've and I'm I have personally experienced it. For example, last week I had four auditions and one was for a commercial but three of them were for really juicy meaty roles on TV and 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 characters that are in positions of power right. you know so so i feel like what i've experienced since this recent black lives matter movement is that not only are the opportunities uh, more there, um, but but the quality of work that I'm that I'm auditioning for, I believe has has improved. You know, of course there there's so many there's so many actors going for one role, right? And so yes, with the opportunities, there's still more actors that are up for these same roles at the same time. And so so I can say yes, for me, I have experienced it. I do see a change now. Now, granted, will that last? I don't know. You know, is it just sort of like, oh, well, let's do this for now until things sort of quiet down. And then we go back to how it was. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking positively that a a major shift has happened and that we will continue to go in this direction of true inclusivity. Now
1: you are on at the time right now and this will go up our show we're recording right now will go up in about 3 or 4 weeks but right now you're on the number 3 movie on Netflix called The Aftermath. It's called Aftermath. It's called Aftermath. Right. There's no the. Yeah. It's like Batman. There's, there's, there's no the Batman. Batman. It's Batman. Right.
0: It's right. It's called
1: Aftermath. It's about a math teacher after school. After No, it is not. <laughs>
0: I just think it's crazy that it's number three on Netflix. Like, that's pretty awesome. And this is a film that I shot two years ago. Wow. It's starring Sean Ashmore and Ashley Green. Iceman. He's Iceman. I know who he is. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I know superheroes. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I got to, I, I play their therapist, their couples therapist and i have 3 scenes and of course i went to the premiere last week and i was sort of like i knew so here's the thing one of my scenes uh, part of it is in the the trailer right and so i was like okay at least that scenes in you know but like i went to the premiere and i was just like crossing my fingers that all of my scenes would still be in and thank god they're all in there and it was just really a great great Opportunity to work with them, but you know, when you do a film, you have no idea how it's going to do. You have no idea if it's going to come out, if you know, if they're going to get a distributor, if you know. And so, for it to be on Netflix and to be doing really well, I'm I'm really really excited about that.
1: Was it made for Netflix, or was it just made as a movie with the intent of getting distribution
0: at some point? Exactly, the second. One. Okay, it was. It, yeah, they had no idea at that point where it was going to go. So. Um, so yeah, Netflix is a pretty place, a pretty, pretty good place to be. So take people through just a process here for a
1: minute when you're playing a therapist, because we can all mm-hmm. say, oh, I can play a therapist. I sit in a chair mm-hmm. and I, I get a pair of glasses and there's probably a pillow and a shawl around me. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and I ask very pointed questions and I nod a lot. But when you're given a script, how much information about that person, I mean, down to like when I direct Sometimes I say, you've worked with me. I don't know if I did this when you and I were together, but sometimes mm-hmm. when I direct, I'll say to somebody, What was what was your morning like? What was the traffic like? Did you sh- did mm-hmm. you t- did you shower, or take a bath? Did you even bathe today? What were what was missing from the cabinet that you were pissed off because your boyfriend that I didn't write into the script forgot to get you more of and you didn't get that for breakfast? Those little things.
0: Mm-hmm. Was
1: that in the script for you? And if not, did you do you take the time to create all that in your head or what's your what's your what's your process?
0: Well, I feel like I feel like so many times when you know it's a role like this where it's not one of the major roles, it's not the starring role, then it's you you don't have all of that, so you have to make that all up for yourself, right? And so for me, even even starting with just the audition alone. I mean, obviously I put more work into something once I book the role, but even with the audition, sometimes what I do, if I have an audition, I, as soon as I get the role, as soon, I mean the audition, I step into that character's world. So I do think about the things that you mentioned. I think about um, how my character would walk through, even in my apartment building, how my character would walk through this apartment, my home, right? How will I, how does she brush her teeth? How does she shower? What kind of cologne does she wear? Um, so I, I get into like the, those details sure. and, and specifically, you know, just acting one-on-one with the moment before of like, what's happening before these two people come into my office. Right. Right. You know? So, so yeah, so I do think about all of that. And, and one of the things that I did was I, I channeled a friend of mine in in terms of creating this character. I have a friend who, when she talks to you, it's as if you are in a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Didn't you just all all of a sudden feel relaxed, Steve? When I was talking, like yeah, that? I felt so much like better. <laughs> right, right, right. So I totally channeled her. I don't think I even told her that yet, but um, I totally challenged uh, channeled her in this character because I just figured, you know, that I mean, you want you want someone when you go in to see a therapist. You want someone that that is compassionate and that feels like. They're taking their time with you and really listening to you. Um, and so I, I challenge, I I, ch- I keep saying challenge. I channeled her.
1: Uh, the great and powerful Joan Van Ark, who I've worked with a number of times, who is a sweet friend of mine. The very first time I worked with her, she asked me, will we see the floor? And I said, actually, no, we won't. Because I just, the way we're doing it, everything. I said, no, you're seated. She said, great. So she had all these, I'm giving away her secrets. She had a bag of shoes and she put out all these different shoes on the floor. And then she did like, I watched her do this thing with her eyes. We did the whole day together. It was a long shoot and we were done. And I said, what's with the shoes? And she said, those are each of moments of her life. And, and she was explaining and she took all this time because she was playing a character. She was playing Annette Champagne in the future. And I created young Annette Champagne that Stacy played. And then mm-hmm. she was playing adult, you know, 70-something Annette. She said, this uh-huh. is her lifetime. She goes, these are her shoes through her life. That's this, that's this, that's the divorce, that th-. and I'm like, holy shit. Wow. And she said it's very triggering for me because when I have to, she goes, I can glance down and go, Yep, I have to be
0: right there. I'm so that's us thank you so much for sharing that. I'm I'm so fascinated by triggers you know i i remember i i did this i had this trigger and it was it was a physical thing that i would do i didn't even plan it i just found myself doing it and then every time i did it it put me where i needed to be this is before i performed batman and robin when i was doing the run in new york every single performance beforehand i would do this thing hmm okay you can't see what i'm doing but <laughs> Uh, If just picture, if you take your right hand and you, you, you have your palm up and you put all your fingers together and then you sort of like move them around. Like, you know, that, that, that gesture for money that people do. Yeah. 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 Okay. I would do that with my fingers. There's something about that, that put me exactly where I needed to be emotionally. It's so weird, (laughs) but that worked for me. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. Here's a really general question. What is good about performing? What is good about being an
0: actor? Mm. What is good? For me, the idea of being able to tap into a role to tap into every aspect of another person to be able to bring what you have to this character to be able to see the the differences the connections to be able to inspire somebody else through your work to be able to make somebody else laugh to heal that for me is, those are just a few of the th- reasons why I am an actor. It brings me joy to be able to live in another realm and, and by doing that to, to inspire. We end these shows with three questions.
1: Don't panic. You know all the answers. Question number one is super easy. We start with the easiest question. Where do people find you?
0: You can find me on all social media at Juliet Jeffers, and that's two T's and an E for Juliet. And I also have a website, so name.com. The last two questions
1: can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you feel you want to talk about and say. Here's the question number one, and you just hit upon it at the end of what you just said, which is...
0: Who inspires you? My mother. (laughs) My mother inspires me because she came to this country. She's from the West Indies via England. Um, She came to this country and she was a pioneer. She was the first person out of all her 12 siblings to come to the States and then she ended up sending for them. So she, and then our house became like an Ellis Island of the Bronx, um, where everyone, all of her siblings and even some cousins who came to the United States from the Caribbean, they came to our house first and then they sort of made their way. So that, for that and many more reasons, she inspires me.
1: And the final question can go back to anything we've talked about or anything you want to say. And if you want to sing it, only sing a few lines because I can't afford to pay for it. Tell me something
0: good. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me something good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Life is about seeing the good. Life is about laughter life is about connections with friends and family and life is about being grateful
1: thank you Juliet, for sharing your good i'm now all creatively charged up aren't you what are we going to go out and create let's go create Next time on World Gone Good.
0: You know, I was kind of already behind rolling into retirement. And making this
1: change was super, super risky. Everyone thought I was crazy. And looking back on it, I still can't believe I had the, the gumption to do it because it sounds insane. Denise Montrose met a cow that changed her life. I can't wait for you to hear her amazing journey that led her home to Sama Farm. Who knows, her story may just inspire you to follow your own cow, literally or metaphorically. I hope you'll join us. Until then, be good.